Kevin Markwick.
and good evening. Or something like that. Oh, I'm hungry. Uh, Kevin Markwick here for another two hours. Thank you, Adrian Corbin, for uh, the previous two hours of soul groovy loveliness. Uh, what have we got tonight? Oh, uh, oh, music from Asteroid Galaxy Tour. Caitlin Rose, daughter, and Samantha Crane, amongst many, many others. Uh, we got, oh, along with Simple Minds and the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. Mm-hmm. Cheney Kent has an interview with up-and-coming composer David Buckley. And there's film music from Ennio Morricone, Alex North, and Philip Glass. Blimey, the time jodpers pull up in 1984. And we have cool music in films with a theme. Something for everyone, surely. And you as well. Please get in touch on Facebook, on Twitter. On email. Via the webcam thingy. Any way you like. Please. Uh, and we're going to start with uh, Johnny Marr.
Well, you still got it. Old man. Johnny Marr from uh, his latest LP, The Messenger, that's called Upstarts. Now, uh, what I usually do now is try and badger you into uh, getting in touch with the show. You can do that uh, via uh, Facebook, at Kevin Markwick. You can hit me up there, or you can uh, go to Twitter, and the Kevin Markwick... Not to, oh, honestly, what am I doing? It's backwards. OK, on Twitter, at Kevin Markwick. Did we get that? Yes. And on Facebook, it's the Kevin Markwick Show. Yes. And you can interact with me there, yes. Uh, or you can email the studio, uh, studio at uckfieldfm.co.uk, which we get occasionally, if I remember to look. Uh, or you can go online and uh, message me directly, like, get off, that kind of thing. Uh, and you can look at the back of my head, which is is actually my sexiest feature. So you can interact with me there. Uh, and uh, hopefully we will have a lovely time together. Here's Asteroid Galaxy Tour.
Wow, wonderful stuff. Major Asteroid Galaxy Tour. Um, Actually, if you do go to the web cami thing and look at the... uh, It's not so much the back of my head as the top of my head because I'm clearly the shortest person at Uckfield FM. Now is the time. Time for ice cream. Ice cream time! It's ice cream time with Lion's Mane. Ice cream time with Lion's Mane. Kevin Markwick. A warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our programme.
That's, of course, Tears for Fears, Songs from the Big Chair was the album. Uh, and that's called Head Over Heels, which I've spawned because I was going to use that in future weeks as one of my cool tracks that are used in films. If you remember, it was used in uh, rather effectively in Donnie Darko. But the track that I was going to play didn't work. And it's not worked for about two weeks now, so they've had their chips. I'm not going to play it. Every time I try and import it, the system throws a complete nightmare and shuts down. So, whoever you are, I'm not going to play your record. So, uh, that's a shame I had to spawn that one because I had a bit of a theme going. Uh, right, so there's two more tracks till we get to the handbrake turn that is the film section of the show, where we kind of scoot around and we do an hour's worth of film-based uh, nonsense and then half an hour of uh, groovy music to take us uh, up to 11 o'clock. And so, one of the two tracks, the wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, brilliantly talented Caitlin Rose from a new LP, The Stand In. This is No One to Call. to call from Caitlin Rose uh, and her new LP The Stand In we've got a couple more country country styly tracks to come actually from Patsy Klein and the other fellow whose name 
Glenn Campbell, of course, who was in True Grit. And uh, there's one other as well. Hmm. Anyway, one more track before we get to uh, the film section of the show. This is Daughter uh, from their forthcoming LP, If You Leave. And it's uh, as beautiful as everything else they've done. It's called Still. Go. 
there you go. That's uh, no one to, to do, do read from the right section given still by daughter uh, from the forthcoming uh, If You Leave album. I don't think, you know, the, that, that track's available, but the rest of the album isn't, but I'm very much looking forward to hearing the rest of it. Now, it's time to do our uh, weird thing where we go into the film bit. Given what's coming up, I'm not sure that's tonally correct. <laughs> uh, so, um, Cheney Kent's coming up with uh, an interesting interview with David Buckley, an up-and-coming uh, composer. Uh, but before that, it, I, it occurred to me, um, I was watching... Um, the How- we sort of had a bit of a, a feast of the Howard Goodall story of music show uh, over the last couple of days on BBC4, which I, I really enjoyed. I thought it kind of lost its way a bit towards the end because f- music just fractures too much into too many bits and pieces for him to keep a hold in it. But he's always brilliant to listen to, absolutely brilliant. And one of the things he, he said, which I happen to... I think is, is actually very uh, an astute thing to say, is that... The modern classical music really is film music. If you want to hear new classical music, it's mostly uh, written for film. That doesn't mean there isn't, you know, other things written, but uh, uh, most of it is uh, is film music, which I thought was a very um, very keen thing to say. And the uh, the other thing is that because sometimes they converge together, both those kind of uh, cultures converge as they did so memorably. Which is why I thought I'd play you this, <laughs> which is what I mean by yeah, it's more of a handbrake turn than we normally do. This is. Uh, um, one of my favourite films, actually, I can watch it any time of the day or night, and uh, I never, never get enough. Of it. It's never long enough for me. Uh, Koya Niskwatsi, and this is the um, the title music by Philip Glass. <laughs>
Koyaniskwatsi by uh, Philip Glass from the 1982 film, which was an extraordinary thing, uh, Life Out of Balance, uh, directed by a chap called uh, uh, Godfrey Reggio. There was another one or two after that, but they had nothing. They, they weren't quite as good as that one. Uh, extraordinary montage images, time lapse images of uh, of New York City, of uh, deserts and destruction, uh, of uh, empty, you know, um, urban areas. It was. Uh, if you haven't seen it. I can highly recommend it. Uh, not everyone's cup of tea. Hmm. Have you seen it? Let me know. Now, uh, Cheney now with his uh, uh, David Buckley interview. This week, I had an opportunity to talk to another composer working in feature film. David Buckley wrote music for a number of shorts and television shows before his first feature commission for The Forbidden Kingdom, the Jet Li Jackie Chan vehicle of 2008. Since then, he has contributed scores to a number of feature films, the majority of which have been action thrillers. David also writes the music for the successful legal drama series The Good Wife. His new film, Parker, starring Jason Statham, is due for release on March the 8th. David, how are you? Cheney, how are you? Many thanks for taking some time to join us. As I said, you're involved with Parker at the moment, and I read that you're in the process of putting together a dramatised documentary called Killing Lincoln, which will screen during the ongoing theatrical release of Steven Spielberg's film of the same subject. You seem to have written a number of scores to action thrillers. Do you feel at all that you're writing a lot for this sort of genre? Well, it's it's interesting. I, I it's where I've sort of ended up being pigeonholed a little bit with with the thriller action genre. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, I mean, an honest answer would be that I'd like to be able to keep things as variable and and um, all encompassing as possible. Sure. And it's interesting, actually, something like Killing Lincoln. My expectation was that it would probably musically require a little bit of, of period knowledge, something from the time. Mm, In right. fact, there are references to the time, but the overall remit is that we want this to drive, we want it to be a thriller oh. kind of sounding score. And it, so it, it, it's, it's strange that even the ones which I get where I think, ah, oh, this may be going a little bit in one direction, it's still, there's a a sense of, um, I wouldn't say predictability, but but again, it's relying on a skill set that I, I'm probably proving myself to have at the moment. Right, I see. Actually, that, that's interesting, because that brings me on to my next point, actually, which is that it, it seems to me that um, the score for an action thriller follows quite closely what actually happens on screen. So in-picture sound with crashing about and vehicle noises and um, characters shouting, for example... Do you find that you have to work at all with sound designers to produce the soundtrack to a film like that? In an ideal world, absolutely. You know, to get a feel for what the others doing, what all sound departments are doing as early as possible is is preferable. Now, the reality is it doesn't really you know, come into play right. as, as often as one would right. like because, you know, there is... A, especially with music it, it, and all sound, really. It is the very last... Well, one of the last pieces of the puzzle. Um, I've been listening to a few of your scores prior to um, speaking to you, and there is a fair bit of variation within the genre, and I'm, I'm quite interested to know whether or not 
you wrote specifically Eastern and East Asian music for the Forbidden Kingdom, but also something like The Town. There, there is Irish music in there. This is presumably something that you intend and, and something you try to get in, irrespective of the actual genre of the film. Would that be right? You know, with The Forbidden Kingdom, it was uh, the scope of the film was fantastical. I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is a child's fantasy film. Um, the, the producers and the director began to, to classify it as, as a, a spaghetti eastern. Um, <laughs> so the idea was that, you know, I should try and synthesize some elements from, from Asian music, Chinese music, right, sure. into a Western framework. Everything was big, and, and I could be big musically. I mean, that's one of the, the few films, actually, that I've worked on where the, that that has been an appropriate uh, playing field for such bigger resources. Um, with the town, now he, here's a very different sort of film. This is, a, you know, Ben Affleck said he had a quote: "I don't like too much music in my music," hmm. and by that he doesn't want he, the sort of overt film score that was in the, the Forbidden Kingdom. He doesn't really want in in the town, or he didn't want in the town, because it, I, I think, it, and I think he's right. I think it would be very odd because he, you're, these are gnarly Bostonians, thugs. To to have a, a sort of epic sweeping score here would be would be really really inappropriate. Having said which, it made sense to us to have a subtle thematic identity of something Celtic. So it's almost a colour supplementing the, the what is a largely electronic score. Yes, I see. Also, it might be the case to say that in a film like The Town or The Forbidden Kingdom, there is a more of a sense of romance in these films than there is perhaps in something like Parker or, I don't know, something like ATM, which is much more yeah. high concept. For sure, yeah. I mean, in ATM's an interesting one. Again, when I was scoring it, and there was one place I went... To, I wrote a cue, and I tried to do something a little bit sympathetic. Someone had just died, um, and I tried to write something that embraced those those emotions and the director was very clear that he didn't want me to do that he wanted me to keep living in this desolate musical landscape that it should never be sorrowful hopeful it, it should be almost singularly um depressing and dark and that that's a, a challenge in itself I, I can't say i'd want to do that a thousand times because it, it is it is a the process in itself is a little bleak but um you know it's definitely it's definitely something interesting to explore and likewise parker um I mean, it's it's Jason Statham, so I mean, you know, love interests and and and, and Jason Statham don't always go hand in hand. But there are a couple of moments there where we see something beyond just the action, the action hero. Oh, good. Um, but yes, certainly, certainly, the Forbidden Kingdom has has a very, you know, really touches on a huge gamut of emotions right. that, I... that that some of these other thrillers don't. Sure, it's it's interesting actually, Ben Affleck there asking for a lighter touch with the music. Um, that brings me on to my next subject, which is um, the TV series that you're writing the music for, which is The Good Wife. The show is produced um, by uh, Tony and Ridley Scott, or, of course, was produced by Tony and Ridley Scott, because Tony Scott died last year in extraordinary circumstances. Um, did you know Tony Scott? And if you did, what are your memories of working with him? Tony was a big character. I'm, I'm sure lots has been written about this. You know, mm. he's almost sort of gruff and, and northern is how I remember him, but mm. very warm as well. And with his always wearing pink shorts and a baseball cap and a mm. cigar, <laughs> everything that we've probably seen in, in, in the picture. But yes. he really was like that. I remember he came into my room once during, during A Good Wife and Harry said, oh, look, there's Dave beavering away on your, your show. And he goes, oh, keep doing what you're doing. It's fantastic. <laughs> 
they were supportive and I, as far as I'm aware of every component in their big empire they were supportive they they had people who they trusted to make sure that things were t- ticking over if there was a problem they, they would definitely be on the end of the phone and, and sorting oh. things out um, so it, it's it's a great loss and and you know it's having done a few projects for, for Scott Free, I, you know, it would have been lovely to have got to know him better, but I feel very privileged that I did have yeah. those couple of exchanges with him and that he was appreciative of what, what I was doing. Super. Well, Parker has a release date of the 8th of March, as I say. Um, do you have anything else lined up after Parker? Well, I've got... Um, the, the good wife will comfortably take me through until um, at the end of April. Um, I, as often the cliche goes, there is something which I'm, my agent is is going to be calling me about today. But I've I've had, I had to sign a something uh, two weeks ago say that I couldn't talk about it until the the, the thing's been signed, sealed, right. and delivered. So um, I, I I I won't say anything about it now. No, but it would be, it's quite an interesting one, and, and if it if it came off, it would be, it would be keep, keep me nice and busy to July. Oh, oh, actually, actually, I completely forget, <laughs> and I shouldn't forget because I must get this done. Um, I'm just about to start a comedy as well, uh, which oh. I'll start this this uh, this weekend. And I'm, it's very glad we, very good, we had this interview because I may have completely forgotten about it had you not mentioned me. So yeah, that's that's what's immediately on the, on good. the cards, and I'll clear some space in a diary for it. <laughs> good. Well, it it sounds like you have your work cut out. I'd better let you get on with it, David. David, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me on the phone, and good luck with what you have in the future. Thanks so much, Shay. Lovely to talk to you too. Part of David Buckley's score for uh, the Forbidden Kingdom, the Jet Li actioner, uh, lots of jumping around and stuff. And thank you very much, Cheney. That was uh, great, very interesting. And thank you, David, for agreeing to talk to us. That was uh, lovely. Cheney will be back next week with more film music-related malarkey. Um, now, in my quest for watching every film again on Blu-ray, <laughs> which is what I've been doing my week in film. Uh, I had another look at the... Well, I unwrapped the Blu-ray, finally, of uh, Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West. Yowza! I'd forgotten...
forgotten how good that was. I haven't, I haven't seen it for a very long time. I remember the first time I saw it was actually in the in our cinema in Uckfield, sitting in the front row when we used to have one screen, um, and it, it uh, had a man. What would I have been about eight or nine? No, I was a bit older than that, probably probably about ten years old when I saw it. And uh, I loved it then, and it's just amazing. It's an extraordinary, wonking, great, solid piece of work, and a Western, kind of the Western to end all Westerns, really. All they could be was a bit ironic after that one. Anyway, here is part of, of course, uh, Maestro Morricone's score for Once Upon a Time in the West. Thank you. 
Marconi's music uh, from Once Upon a Time in the West, which uh, I thoroughly enjoyed again. The only the only mistake I made was I put it on at 11.30 at night, fully forgetting that it was nearly three hours long. Kevin Markwick. 105, Uckfield FM. Now, one of the things... Actually, one of the things I just quickly wanted to talk about was why we love film music, why we... Um, by film music more specifically now i can't i can't lay claim to being an expert uh and actually although i've got a lot of soundtracks in my collection the reason i started buying soundtracks and this may be what's different in some of my age than somebody now is that uh when i was growing up it was the only way you could own a part of the film there was no way um, of seeing it when you wanted to see it you could see it in a cinema or occasionally you could see it on television and you certainly couldn't own it on videotape or dvd like you can now so um really the only way of owning a part this is why i started buying soundtrack albums because it was the only way that i could kind of relive the movie uh, was to put the music on and it was the only because if yes there was super 8 we had super 8 in the house and we used to rent super 8 films although uh, dad used to mostly rent <laughs> will hay and uh, old uh, prison pictures with burt lancaster but um and i wanted planet of the apes and uh, all that kind of stuff so what i did yeah like i say what i did was i bought soundtrack albums and it was a way of kind of reliving the film um cheaply because you certainly couldn't afford it any other way and when um dvd or particularly vhs actually started doing films at 9.99 it was extraordinary i couldn't believe it in fact i just i bought so many i didn't know we could we can't we couldn't move for vhs's when we finally threw it out anyway and one of the soundtracks that i did buy because it's one of my mostest favoritest films uh is and we don't have enough alex north on this show actually which we should uh, we should certainly render and taking us into the news here's his fantastic main theme from spartacus <laughs>
Kevin Markwick. Machine time. This is the part of the show where I uh, uh, dust off the old ledger and have a look at what we were showing at our cinema at the Picture House in Uckfield all those years ago. Uh, and it's March the 4th, 1984. 29 years ago. Yikes! Um, John Major was Prime Minister. Yawn. Uh, Matt Busby, former Manchester United manager, dies at the age of 84. Oh, it's the Winter Olympics in Lillehammer, and the IRA launched three mortar attacks on Heathrow Airport. Mm, dear. So, um, what was happening at the Picture House Upfield? Not much, it seems. Oh, it was quiet. Oh, so very quiet. This is how things have changed. January, February, March now, busiest three months of the year. Back in those days hopeless um and which is surprising because we were showing two films that people seem to have very strong memories of uh and in screen one okay so what do you call yourself eh? como se llama antonio montana and you what you call yourself where'd you learn to speak the english tony uh, in a school and my father he was uh, from the united states yeah, just like you you know he was a Yankee. Uh, he used to take me a lot to the movies, you know. I learned. I watched the guys like uh, Humphrey Bogart, James Carney. They, they teach me to talk. I like those guys. I always know one day I'm coming here, the United States. 1980, Miami. They called it Little Havana where the American dream had a price tag and only one man in a million was hungry enough to pay. This country, you gotta make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. Then when you get the power, then you get the woman. Scarface. For one brief moment, the world was his. And now he feels. A check is with. She liked me. You must be kidding. What you talking about? That's a Cadillac. How do you know? The eyes, Chico. So, Scarface, Brian De Palma's great big 
bombastic gangster movie, uh, a film that would herald the start of the 80s culture of excess, really. Um, it kind of it just took it to new heights, really. <laughs> a film as loud and as objectionable as its lead character, Tony Montana, played with uh, suitable ferocity by Al Pacino. Uh, it was also on the cusp, uh, maybe yeah, a few years to go, before he starts his um, shouty period, which he, he kind of got... That was probably more than 90s, wasn't it? Was it a shouty period? Yeah, probably. Anyway... Um, there's lots to enjoy of course uh you know it uh it's so it kind of comes at you so so incredibly colorfully and um insanely that you 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 you're gonna enjoy it but i was felt it was a bit bogus you know and given to showing off as well uh rather like the decade itself i certainly don't I'm, I'm, I'm i remain to be convinced that it's as a significant a piece of work as we're led to believe um i think de palma and pacino did it better for my money in the far less hysterical Carlito's Way ten years later. It was the film that turned Michelle Pfeiffer into a star, though, and that was a good thing. No one, no one came to see it. I mean nobody. 172 admissions all week, £299. Can you believe it? Um, and the score was uh, was also bombast- a bombastic affair, too. A sort of formless, dirgy slice of self-indulgent 80s disco by uh, Giorgio Moroder. enough for that sounds like a advert for ladies accoutrements to me but uh i don't know if you like it let me know hey i love giorgio moroda 80s disco you idiot um and you know actually 80s music's probably the most tasted thing anyone ever put in a film uh i was watching the other night a bit of uh to live and die in la which is not a bad film at all uh but it was kind of trashed by wang chung <laughs> There was there was no reason for Wang Chung. Oh, and William Peterson's rather preening performance. But that's another film which we're not talking about. So no one came to see uh, Scarface, and would you believe no one came to see this either? So your folks are going out of town. Yeah. 
Just use your best judgment. You know we trust you. You got the place all to yourself? A good time show. In the privacy of your own home. Just take those old records off the That's her. She's fantastic. Yeah. I listen to Good time last night. <laughs> I had a great time. Music got the same song. You ever get high, Joe? Don't ever do anything stupid. Don't worry. Who's the U-boat commander? I don't remember giving permission for a party, Joe. A party? I've got a trig midterm tomorrow, and I'm being chased by Guido, the killer pimp. Doesn't anyone want to accomplish anything, or do we just want to make money? Make money. Make a lot of money. There's a time for playing it safe. And a time for risky business. Okay, so a Chicago teenager looking for fun at home while his parents are away. But the situation quickly gets out of hand when some working girls uh, that he kind of calls and they set up shop in his house once they realise his parents are away. Uh-huh. Uh, Tom Cruise and Rebecca De Mornay, of course. Um, on the face of it, a completely different film. But if we look closer, maybe that and Scarface aren't so different. Uh, well, they are actually, but you know, I'm just trying to be clever, really. Uh, they're both about young men determined to find the route to wealth and probably, more importantly, respect. Uh, but Risky Business is a comedy, though, which makes it far more authentic in my book. Uh, definitely written and directed by Paul Brickman, who never went on to great things, surprisingly. Um, he only directed a couple more features. Uh, I guess that's the way it goes. Uh, and that was a big hit, I think, internationally, certainly. Uh, and what it did, well, it turned Tom Cruise into a superstar. It was a massive hit globally. Uh, he'd been in a couple of films before, Small Parts and Endless Love. Oh, Zeffirelli's majorly awful American love story. Oh, what a terrible film that was. Who was it? Brooke Shields? Was it Brooke Shields? Yeah, it was. Ugh. And a couple of uh, Coppola films. Uh, he was in uh, the one, you know, the one with the gang in it. Oh, you know. Uh, the Outsiders was he in The Outsiders I think he was um, and his performance actually as Joel was pretty note perfect but for me the real star was Rebecca De Mornay who's wonderful as the smart Lana who teaches Joel pretty much everything he needs to know to set him up for the rest of his life uh, and again what is wrong with you people nobody nobody came to see it um, 170 the same admissions as Scarface terrible can anybody remember seeing it in Upfield? I asked this question and no one, no one, ever, no one ever answers. Perhaps you didn't. Um, but that's terrible. For a, for a classic film like that, although it's been slightly forgotten, hasn't it? Has it been forgotten? Mm, possibly. I haven't seen it for a while, to be fair. Uh, but it's horses for courses, you see. It's not our kind of thing. Now, had it been uh, Scarface goes to India and has a nice cup of tea with Judy Dench, then we'd have probably been packed out. But that's the way it goes. Now, the obvious thing to play from uh, Risky Business would be the Bob Seger track, Old Time Rock and Roll, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to play the other obvious track, uh, Tangerine Dream, Love on a Real Train, when all of Joel's fantasies come true on the Chicago transit system.
love that. Uh, it's Love on a Real Train. They used it in um, Risky Business back in, uh, well, the 1983 the film was. We played it in 1984, although we might as well have not bothered, frankly. So you should all be ashamed of yourself. But um, the other, actually, Sorcerer, do you remember, um, that was a film, it was a remake, a slightly ill-judged remake of the classic Clouseau French film uh, Wages of Fear by William Friedkin. And one of the high points of that was a score by Tangerine Dream. I've got that on vinyl. I'm going to dig it out and have another listen. So there you go. That was 1984. Uh, time job is off. And we're going to move on to cool stuff from the movies after this. Stand by for launching. It's Zoom with three new flavors. And free picture cards. Start collecting famous aircraft. There's a free card with every Zoom. On sale now. Kevin Markwick. Okay, so this is the bit of the show where, you know, desperately coming up with trying to come up with uh, things to keep everyone entertained. I play music that's used in films that wasn't written for the film. Uh, generally, it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, this week, we've got a mixture of cool and uncool, but used in a cool way. And what I want you to do is uh, I'm going to play four different pieces of music between now and just after half past. And I want you to guess the link between them all, please. Um... Uh, they all there is a link, and it's a cool link. <laughs> oh, it's getting increasingly more desperate as the weeks go on, isn't it? Anyway, here's the first one. Thrown like a star, my vast opened my eyes to take a peek. Find that I was by the sea Gazing with tranquility Just then when the hurdy gurdy man Came singing songs of love Then when the hurdy gurdy man Came singing songs of love Hurdy History is of ages past, unenlightened shadows cast down through all eternity, the crying of humanity. Then when the hurdy gurdy man comes singing songs of love, then when the hurdy gurdy man comes singing Hurdy 
Because I can't play this one too long. So that was kind of the, the first one was an easy one. This one's a little less easy. Between them, Hurdy Gurdy Man, Donovan, Orinoco Flow, Enya, and this is 10cc Dreadlock Holiday. If you have got the link, then you should probably be able to work out what the last one is, because it's the coolest one of them all. Okay, you ready? Stop.
Got it, got it, got it, got it. Well, that was the giveaway, of course. Pixies, where is my mind? I wonder sometimes. Thank you. Memorably used in uh, Fight Club, of course, directed by... Uh, David Fincher, the genius that is David Fincher, uh, and so the first thing you heard was "Hurdy Gurdy Man," which we you, he used memorably in um, uh, Zodiac, that extraordinary film Zodiac, which I never tire of—a kind of odd police procedural, which just draws you in. Orinoco Flow, Enya, uh, which was used memorably in that nasty sequence in his remake of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Dreadlock Holiday 10cc which was at the Caribbean night um, when uh, what's his name the guy what runs Facebook <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg you know him uh, in uh, The Social Network which was also just absolutely brilliant okay that's it film bit over music Patsy Cline after this Something special, really different. Tastes great. Frankie's spicy pork and beef sausage in a sesame seed roll. Topped with mustard, tomato or fruity sauce. Frankie's, the super hot dog. On sale at the kiosk now. Frankie's, from Lyon. See a weeping willow 
Kevin Markwick. 105, Uckfield FM. Alignment for the county And I drive the main road Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire I can hear you through the wine the Wichita lineman is still on the line I know I need a small vacation but it don't look like rain and if it snows, that stretch down south won't ever stand the strain. And I need you more than want you. And I want you for all time. And the Wichita lineman is still on the line. And I need you more than want you And I want you for all time And the Wichita lineman Is still on the the old long fade trick uh, two absolute classics for you there don't know why I decided to play them I just did uh, Walking After Midnight Patsy Klein from 1957 and of course Wichita Lineman which uh, is just still you know an amazing track uh, from 1968 talk about state the obvious there Kev now um this is Samantha Crane, who's got a new album out. She's from Oklahoma. Uh, the album's called Kid Face. It's been reviewed very well. It's uh, This is a track called Never Going Back.
leaves me thirsty, leaves me dim. I'm looking at a picture of him and his pride. Oh, I'm never coming back. Oh, I'm never coming back. In melting thousand dreams, my soul has finally been set free from his cool eyes. I hide myself in softer stones, crawl out of Quicker sand, but now I have a place to stand and call my own. I had a deal with man and God, one let me down and one did not, so I made my way back home. Crane from the Kidface album, uh, Never Going Back. Now, <laughs> you can't say we don't veer off in all sorts of directions in this show. For women, that's what I preach. Preach your man. 
Think of a lot worse places to be Like down in the streets Or down in the sewer Or even on the end of a skewer turning into a rather retro 30 minutes I think I must have been having a funny turn when I put all this together uh, this one's for Katie
Oh, it's definitely turning into some kind of, uh, you know, all the hits hour on No Field FM. I don't know what I was thinking, really. Um, this one is from Ziggy Stardust. Uh, well, that, before that, it was, of course, um, Ever Fallen in Love with Someone, the Buzzcocks. Uh, uh, of course. Now, this is... Uh, David Bowie from Ziggy Stardust with the new David Bowie album coming out I think we're going to hear a lot more of the old back catalogue as well on the radio not that we don't hear a lot of it but uh, this is one of my particular favourites the last track on Ziggy uh, Rock and Roll Suicide Time takes a cigarette Puts it in your mouth You pull on your finger Then another finger Then cigarette The water wall is calling It lingers Then you forget Oh, 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 oh You're a rock and roll suicide You're too old to lose it too young to choose it And the clock waits so patiently on your song You walk past the cafe But you don't eat when you've lived too long Oh no, no, no You're a rock and roll suicide Shit breaks the snarling as you stumble across the road But the day breaks instead So you hurry home Don't let the sun blast your shadow Don't let the milk float Grab your mind They're so natural Religiously unkind Oh no
say we haven't had a bit of everything tonight apart from maybe peruvian goat baiting music if you've got any peruvian goat baiting music can you send it along to me please at kevin markwick or the kevin markwick show on facebook i'm committing the cardinal sin of talking over a great song simple minds from sons and fascination in 1981 i'll play it in full another time i promise it's because I had to make some of this sharp as I went along. One day we'll all sit in a room and tell I'll tell you about it. So that's it for another week. Thank you very, very, very much for joining me. It's been uh, an absolute privilege and a pleasure, of course. At Kevin Markwick, the Kevin Markwick Show on uh, Facebook. Please let me know what you think. I really, really, really do want to hear from you. And I'm going to take you up to the news uh, with one of my favourites, one of our favourites, uh, Elbow Mirable from Seldom Seen Kid in 2009. Bye then. I love you all. Bye.
Silence, fire. 